0: John chapter 20, John chapter 20, this is in preparation for a study I was doing, I'm doing on the Holy Spirit and I got looking into this and uh, was reminded of the resurrected life and uh, I want to start in John chapter 20, I'm going to read through the chapter and just kind of, I've got some things outlined here. The first thing I want to touch on is why we have church on Sunday morning, and uh, that's where we'll start. John chapter 20, let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here this morning. Thank you for the dear spirit of the people here today. We ask that you work in each one of our lives and help us to be more of what we should be for thee, Lord. We all struggle from time to time to know your will and to accomplish your will. And Lord, help each and every one here today with just that, that we might glorify your Son who did it all for thee and for us. In his precious name we pray, Amen. amen. The first day of the week cameth Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. A sepulcher is a nice place to visit, but you don't want to live there. The first day of the week is where I want, I've got underlined already in Scripture here. The first day of the week appears eight times in Scripture, seven of which are in the New Testament, one in the Old. Uh, the first day of the week is what separates us basically from one of the other more prominent works in this, on this island. That's the Seventh-day Adventist people, some wonderful people over there, some truly born-again Christians over there. At the same time, they, uh, they differ from us with the first day of the week. Uh, there's no discrepancy about what the first day of the week is. Uh, it's on Sunday. Uh, they choose to take Saturday as their Sabbath day of rest. We take the first day of the week as our day of rest and to glorify the Lord. And you'll see that in the New Testament, starting in chapter 20, Jesus Christ came and made himself aware of his resurrected state of being on the first day of the week. You go over to verse 19 of the same chapter. Then this, then the same day, evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst. Jesus Christ again made himself aware to his followers of his resurrection resurrected state and that took place on the first day of the week now we could go through here eight more times and you'll see the first day of the week is when Jesus Christ met with his disciples and met with us that's why we celebrate on the first day of the week we set that aside we're under the age of the new covenant we're under the age of the new church we're under the age of a new day And a new life in Christ. And so we meet on the first day of the week. That's the difference between us and some of our brothers and sisters down the street, basically. All right, so we got that set aside. Then she running and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. The reason I said a sepulcher is a nice place to visit because when I had... Uh, does anybody know what happened to Derek? I uh, have met with him three times, and I think he's gone. but bro- Brother Derek asked me, he says, "Do you understand what it's like to live on the, live on the uh, on the need and on the lamb is what they call it?" I says, yeah, I've, uh, I've been there. I used to go and warm myself at the graveyard at night. If you go to those sepulchers and you lay on the sunny side of it, you won't be bothered over there in the graveyard. And you can stay warm until about three. Then the sun's been gone long enough that the stones finally cool down. But there is something to be said about the fellow that has enough initiative to go sleep in a graveyard. Then Simon Peter Said unto the other disciples whom Jesus loved, saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciples and came to the sepulchre, and they ran both together, and the other disciples did out and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre, and he stooped down and looked in, saw the linen clothes laying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen cloth lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but wrapped together in a place by itself. You see, Jesus was visiting here, and he left this planet always better in every aspect than before he came right down to the moment of his death and to the place of his uh, physical expiration, he left it better than when he came. Then went in also the other disciples, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. And as yet they knew not the sepulcher that he must rise again from the dead then the disciples went away again onto their own homes. Why did the under, uh, disciples understand the uh, the whole point of the resurrection yet? Well, for one thing, they were in the middle of the battle. They were they were experiencing it. Oftentimes, if you have take a take a moment, you have to be removed from something to understand what actually takes place. Sometimes. They were in the heat of the battle. The uh, the main reason though is they hadn't received the complete word of God and they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 to most of the disciples but we'll see later on in this very chapter. And I want to make sure this chapter or the next one that the, uh, Jesus Christ breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. So they three things took place. They were in the middle of the battle. The second thing that took place is they hadn't received the complete word of God yet. And the third thing is the Holy Spirit had come upon them. So the uh, disciples there were experiencing that in Christ. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping as she went. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Now I I can't read this portion of scripture without bringing this little point of levity to it. Uh, You know why Mary Magdalene was the first woman told about the resurrection? Because in those days, the fastest form of communications was tell a woman. You got telegraph, telephone, and tell a woman. And it still is the fastest form of communications, tell a woman. And Jesus Christ knew that, and he wanted the world to know that he had risen. And so she was gifted with that responsibility. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away the Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, Why weepest thou? Who seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, uh, the gardener saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Now, see, Jesus Christ was all prepared there in the tomb. And to go back to where I was in Sunday school class, uh, you can see that that preparation for the tomb was done by Nicodemus. And another gentleman in Scripture, and it's in the next uh, preceding chapter. And he died on verse 30 of chapter 19, and in verse 39 of chapter 19. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh, aloes, about a hundredth pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloth with spices as the manner of the Jews to, to it is to bury. Is it to bury. Now, that was the, the burial of Jesus Christ. That's 1939. You see Nicodemus took place there at that, at that burial. He, uh, he actually touched in violation on a high holiday, A dead carcass. He also identified himself with a criminal. He also accepted Christ as his personal savior. And how can you make that statement? Because in John chapter three verse two of this same chapter of the Bible, John verse two three two, chapter three verse two, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night three times. There's three Nicodemuses in Scripture. This Nicodemus, though. Is identified three times in the book of John by the Nicodemus that came to Jesus by night. And in John chapter 3, verse 2, he he, accepts, he hears the story of Jesus Christ as his personal savior. Jesus Christ gave him and all of us in scripture. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A little bit redundant to those in Sunday school class, but then go to John chapter 7, verse 50. John chapter 7, verse 50. You'll see Nicodemus was a high priest, a man of great authority, a man of the law, and as it was brought up in Sunday school class, he, uh, he adhered to the law as his form of salvation. Jesus Christ accept, set him straight in John chapter 3. And in John chapter 7, we'll see that Nicodemus had accepted Christ. Let's go to John 7, 50, 50. Or is it 850? Let me make sure. 750. And I speak that my own voice. No, it's 8750. 750. There you see Nicodemus. And that's put in parentheses there so you know it, that who is who Nicodemus is. Nicodemus saith unto them. See, they were sitting around the bubbler at work and they were discussing the feasibility of this fellow in Jerusalem that was stirring up the people contrary to what those people lived by, the law, the representatives of the law. He was sitting with the CEOs of his uh, time in the religious realm of things and they were discussing the need to exterminate an intruder. Then came the officers, to the chief priests and the Pharisees and they said unto them, why have you not brought him? They're talking to the guards that had not brought Christ in to be uh, killed or taken in trial at the time. The officers answered, Never a man spake like this man. They then answered them, the Pharisees, And are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But the people who kneweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus said unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth not. Doth our law judge any man before he, to hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also a Galilee? Search and look, for out of the Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went on to his own house. He defended him at the bubbler, and their retort to him was simply a lie. You see, they said there's no prophet ever came out of Galilee. If you read the book of Job, you'll find that there's a prophet that came out of Galilee. It's called the land of Oz at the time. There's a couple of prophets that have come out of Galilee. And uh, Job took place in the land of Oz. The land of Oz is Galilee. That's the region around Galilee. So he defended Christ. First, he accepted Christ in John 3.16. He defended Christ in John chapter uh, 7, or is this 8? 7.50. And then he identified with Christ right here where we're at in uh, John chapter 20. And he identified with Christ. No, John chapter 19. When he... Uh, Verse 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegaries, oh no, that's where he dies, in John 20, 19, and there came also Nicodemus, which is the first, came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of mirth, allus, and about a hundred pound weight. And they embalmed that body. And then we pick up our story back here where Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. It's something very interesting here as far as the resurrected life of Christ. Jesus said unto her, one of the first things he said unto her as she uh, finally comes to terms with her maker in verse 16, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Now that word turn, where it says turned unto her, that's the same Word we use for repentance in scripture. So, brother, you were right on. Turn into Christ is repentance, simple repentance. Change of mind. She changed her mind about he was dead, he was just a human. No, she came to terms with him being more than just a great teacher, more than just a great rabbi, in fact. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not. There's another point in this portion of scripture touch me not. You know what the first thing he said to Doubting Thomas in the next chapter? He said, touch me. Touch me. Now, in between, wow, that takes place, I think, in the very next chapter. Uh, next chapter. I have got it underlined. I got so much underlined in here, I just can't make it out. But trust me, he when he appeared. Uh, Brother Kevin, you rescuing me? Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach thy, reach thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Peace be unto you, was when he appeared to the disciples, therefore, and the first thing he told them at that point was, Touch me. Now, he couldn't be touched back there in 17. Why couldn't he be touched? I haven't ascended in, I, 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 he says, I am not yet ascended to my father, but go ye to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended unto my father and your father and to my God and to your God. At that point, he hadn't gone there. He was headed that way. Where was he in that time frame? Well, there's many opinions on whether Christ was, in the grave or in limbo or he preached to the saved or the preached to the Jews that had lived lived and died under the law or did he go to hell and preach to those in hell? I will try to answer that for you next time we meet. And uh, I have my strong opinions on it. Touch me not is presented as a forbidden action. Stop clinging to me is about what he said. Compare with verse 27, where one week later, he was told and encouraged Thomas to touch him. Am I yet not yet ascended? Do not worry, I am not leaving immediately. So if he wasn't leaving the, the planet immediately, where was he going? Okay, we're going to kind of wrap it up here. I've pointed out probably three different precepts in God's Word. We can see from this point in Scripture, number one being the week, the first week, day of the week, is why we meet on the first day of the week. It's because when Christ presented himself to mankind after, in his resurrected form, it's the beginning of a new covenant, it's beginning of a new church age, it's the beginning of a new day in Christ, It's beginning of our new lives as Christians. We were first called Christians in the New Testament. And I'd like to reiterate the fact that Nicodemus had three steps in his life. He accepted Christ as his personal Savior. He went forward and was called on to defend his, his Christ, to give testimony of Christ. And he was eventually identified with Christ and has a prominent place in scripture because of his courage to step out in faith and be obedient to God's word. He went from unrighteous, righteous by the law for his sake, but not righteous in God's eyes, to complete righteousness before God, to the place where he has three prominent positions in scripture, identifying him specifically as someone who followed Christ and was obedient in faith. And the third thing I bring to you about this whole point is that Jesus Christ loves you and that Jesus Christ is coming back, that Jesus Christ left this planet in much better shape, and we look forward as man deteriorates it, and you can just look around to see where we deteriorated it. had a dear man talk about... uh, Fishing rights in Sunday school class. Thank God for fishing rights. I thought God gave us dominion over the land. I thought God gave us charge over those things. He didn't give government charge over those things. He gave us as individuals. And we can form and regulate it, yes. But where we're going as a nation now is they're regulating what our three year old. Kids can see in school. They're regulating all kinds of foul things in the name of equity. And so, God is coming back. He's going to set things in order again. He's going to straighten things out again. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to meet with Him on a daily basis. He is still winning souls, He is still sanctifying the saints. John chapter 20, verse 7 says, And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but wrapped together in a place by itself. God is in charge. He is in control. He has complete authority. He knows our struggles. He knows where we're headed. He knows where we're going. He knows where we haven't gone. He knows what we haven't done. He's here to help each and every one of us. This is Anania. So I say, as you've heard me echo from the pulpit before, submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God's word. Submit yourself to Christ leading in your life. I can't glorify him nearly as much as he glorifies himself in being so perfect. I fall far short of that mark. Each one of us fall far short of that aim. But at the same time, he wants us to endeavor to partake in that relationship with him that will put him first and foremost in our lives and on this planet. Let's all stand.